Hello everyone and welcome back to the Raised by Whoops Fake Radio Show. This is Glenn and after a couple episodes of doing intros with Andrew, I'm flying solo this week because Andrew is away visiting family and friends. I don't want to say specifically where he is because we have accrued a not insignificant amount of celebrity and fame from doing this podcast and I don't want paparazzi chasing him all over Colorado. Oh, shit. I just gave it away. Um, I meant to say Connecticut. Uh, Anyway, if you're listening, Andrew, I hope you're enjoying your time in Hartford. Uh, This week on the program, I had the pleasure of interviewing Jordan Joyce. I give a proper introduction to Jordan at the beginning of our talk, but I just want to say, please go stream her new single, Passing Ships, on the streaming services It's a wonderful track produced by Pete Steinkopf of The Bouncing Souls, and it features members of The Pogues, Dropkick Murphys, and Flogging Molly. It's the first single off of a forthcoming full-length album, and Jordan will be releasing additional singles and music videos as time moves along. So please follow her on all the relevant platforms, and also visit jordanjoys.com or jordantattoos.com for more info about her and her work. Seriously, folks, uh, Jordan's the real deal. She has a beautiful singing voice. She's a talented guitarist, and she knows her way around a song. So please give her some support. Uh, We also had a really enjoyable talk. We touched on finding one's voice as a songwriter, the different roles a producer can play, New Jersey beaches, the beauty of Virginia, and much, much more. I also mentioned at one point that I attended an open mic at the Cactus Club Cafe in Austin, Texas. I meant to say the Cactus Cafe. The Cactus Club Cafe is a chain of Canadian restaurants where people with more money than me go to eat stuff like Wagyu beef, carpaccio, and truffle fries. And one final note, I failed as a host to bring our conversation to a smooth conclusion, so at the end, You'll hear the talk end rather abruptly. That's on me. Anyway, rate, review, and subscribe to Raised by Whoops. And thanks again, Jordan, for talking to me. And best of luck with everything. Here's Jordan's song, Passing Ships, followed by our conversation. See ya.
musician, songwriter, and tattoo artist uh, Jordan Joyce. Jordan, who hails from Winchester, Virginia, but now lives in New Jersey, uh, began her music career in the punk bluegrass outfit Gallows Bound, but has since struck out on her own, releasing her first solo single, Passing Ships, back on June 30th of this year. Uh, Passing Ships is off of a full-length solo record that will come out at an as-yet-undetermined date in the near future. Uh, The record was produced by Pete Steinkopf of Bouncing Souls fame and features members of the Pogues, Dropkick Murphys, and Flogging Molly. Uh, For more info about Jordan and her work, you can uh, visit jordanjoys.com, that's J-O-Y-E-S, or jordantattoos.com, and of course you can follow her on social media and hear her new single, Passing Ships, on the various streaming services. And Jordan joins me now. Thank you very much for uh, for doing this, Jordan. Thank you for having me. Yeah, no worries at all. Um, so when I was uh, when I was doing some prep for this talk, um, I came across uh, this, I think it was like a show review maybe, or an article, but um, it was just detailing the fact that your old band, Gallows Bound, um, played what I think was like the last gig at um, a venue called This Ain't Hollywood in Hamilton, Ontario, um, right before COVID, I think. Um, yes. Yeah. And I, I think, um, yeah, I think the article said you played with the Brains, which is like a, a Montreal psychobilly outfit. I love that uh, genre uh, signifiers, uh, by the way. But <laughs> um, yeah, This Ain't Hollywood. Uh, this Ain't Hollywood is uh, a venue like about 40 minutes from me. And oh. uh, yeah, I, I really, uh, I just really dig it. Um, um, 
it's in Hamilton, and, and I've been to a few th- a few shows there myself. And then, yeah, you guys played there, and then like a couple of weeks later, they sold it. So I was just wondering if you had any memories of of that show because that would have been the the last show before the pandemic and the last show ever of, in that venue. So yeah, I remember um, we played there. I played there once before with. Um, I was in a side project with a, a band um, called United Snakes, and it was like members of. Have you are you familiar with the Creep Show? They're from out your way. Um, they're kind of like a psychobilly, rockabilly, punk rock band, and yeah, um, yeah. So I played. Uh, so Chuck Cole is the guitar player for the Creep Show, and I started a little side project when we were touring in Europe together. Um, Gallows Bound and the Creep Show went on tour, and, and so we played. Hamilton. We played this in Hollywood uh, with Dave Haas and the Mermaid, I believe, uh, one time before then as well. And I think oh, nice. we stayed up there, or maybe there was like a was there a recording studio in that venue? Do you remember that at all? Uh, there might have been. Yeah, I'm not uh, sure. That. Um, but anyway, yeah, like it's. I remember the owner being really great, and everybody there was awesome. But it was that was our last tour, um, and it was right it was a, kind of a scary time to be on the road, you know, you know, and we actually played um, the horseshoe in Toronto. We were the last band to play before they shut down all the venues in Toronto. So we were like just riding, you know, this thing was just kind of chasing us and chasing everyone. And then of course the tour got, you know, uh, I don't think that that was our last show. I think we had one more show with them and then we all, you know, went home. So it was a definitely a dark time. And yeah, yeah. To, and we were away from home. You know, like we were up in Canada, and so it was like really nerve wracking. Being, <laughs> you know, we weren't too far away, but it was still a little crazy. But yeah, I mean, it was a, a it's a great venue, and yeah. uh, I remember the owners being really cool. And it's been there for a long time, right? It was like a yeah, yeah. And like we don't have that many. It was kind of like a divier establishment, which I kind of like. And, and yeah. I mean, we just don't do dive bars that well up here. I mean, there's a couple in Toronto and whatnot, but, um, you know, the U.S. is just uh, absolutely littered with great dive bars and venues. And, um, and yeah, we just don't have them in Canada. So it was kind of like an American-style dive bar, and I, uh, I missed that place. But, yeah, it was kind of neat to see that you'd played there. Um. And, and yeah, so, and just speaking of tours and, and, uh, playing shows and stuff, I just saw an Instagram post recently, uh, of you, uh, sort of traipsing around, um, Belgium, um, for Muddy Roots Europe. Um, and it was, so was that just like a one-off show that you went over there for? Yeah. So I went over there, I did that. And then I played a show, um, in the Netherlands as well, like the weekend before. So it was just, just a couple of small shows, but. I played my very first solo show ever at that Muddy Roots Europe in Belgium. And that was four years ago. And um, I got invited to play and it was just kind of sentimental and cool to return and finally get a chance to go back, you know, after everything I thought I wasn't sure if I would get to go back or how that was going to really play out. So yeah, it was really cool to go back. And I brought one of my best girlfriends with me and she had never been to Europe. So it was fun, like doing the solo thing. Um, isn't my favorite, but hmm. that's one of the perks, you know, getting to kind of bring a friend along. And Okay. So so it was just you and a guitar for that festival? It was, yeah. And yeah. I did a couple of tours throughout the U.S. Um, 
just me and my guitar. I did a tour with Scott H. Byram, and then I did a tour with Joe Huber, or it was just me and my guitar and a stand-up bass. So, but okay. I mean, the music that I'm putting out, the record I made, is all fully produced. Um, you know, full band kind of stuff. It was just something to do in between these two chapters of my music, musical life, you know? Yeah. And, and did you play Gallows Bound stuff or did you play like a lot of stuff off your new record? I played a lot of stuff that I've written, um, stuff off the new record, um, maybe two Gallows Bound songs, but I tried to just kind of play more of the newer stuff. Okay. Yeah, that's cool. Um, so that, and that's near... I don't even know how to pronounce it. Is it just Bruges? Is that how you pronounce it? Mm, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Cool. So that's like, there's like a lot of canals there or something, right? Is that? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I've I've never been there. I just, I've seen pictures and stuff. It seems to be a pretty famous spot. So. Yeah. It's beautiful. Um, yeah. The, the festival was like 10 minutes away from Bruges. Okay. So I like to kind of go hang out around there for a little bit. And you've toured around europe elsewhere too right like how many how many european countries have you done or you don't have to give me a number but just name some of them yeah, i don't know exactly how many um but we toured like i said when gallows bound went over with the creep show that was our first european tour and i know we played um we've also done the uk so we played uh, a lot of venues in germany and uh netherlands and like I said, we played UK, uh, went to Austria, we did it, like one show in Italy, but I wouldn't <laughs> tell you that I've really been to Italy. I mean, I guess it counts, but barely. <laughs> um, and yeah, just mainly that. And then Belgium, of course. And uh, we did a show in Sweden while we were up there. We played Norway. Um, Holy so wow. cool. It was a, a, a good... Oh, and then we went to Prague too. We had a couple of days off in Prague and got to play there and so yeah, it was great. Okay, cool. Um, do you like? Do you have a favorite city in Europe that you've played, or maybe a favorite city and like a favorite sort of like like what country sort of responded the best to your music? When playing Prague was one of my favorite things, just because it was such an amazing place, um, and it's just like really magical and unexpected. You know, I. I that's one of those places where I don't know that I ever would have gone on my own. And then we got to go and, and the show was really cool. And we had a couple of days off and we got to kind of explore a lot of times on tour, you're just kind of popping into a venue and then playing and leaving in the middle of the night. And you don't yeah. really get to see a whole lot, but we got to spend a good amount of time there. And then of course, in, in Belgium at that uh, Mighty Roots Europe festival, um, that whole kind of scene is like, this kind of Americana, alt-country, roots, punk rock thing. And it's like, um, there's a pretty strong fan base there. Like, you know, when people people really like, it becomes almost like a family kind of vibe there. Um, so, yeah, it was definitely very well-received there. Yeah. yeah. It's always fun. Going to Europe is great. Playing yeah. over there. And uh, Muddy Roots, like, they have a... I think I read or maybe I heard you talk about it, but they have a festival in Tennessee as well, like the same organization. Yeah. Yeah. yeah same, uh, the same owner of the festival. It's a lot bigger in the U S um, 
a lot of different bands. It's more metal and like, I mean, but it's, it's I wouldn't even say that. It's like kind of all over the place. Like there's a lot more genres going on and, uh, you know, like you'll see all kinds of different music happening there, but it is a larger festival for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I had another uh, songwriter on the podcast, uh, Garrett T. Caps. He's from uh, San Antonio and um, yeah, you know, you know, Garrett, oh, I, no. I don't personally but we know each other i've met him before down in san antonio and he's a uh we're on the same booking agency and oh sweet uh, great guy for sure yeah 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 for sure um but yeah he he uh he goes over to the netherlands quite a bit to play another like roots festival i think it's called take root and it's in like this college town in groningen or something in, in the netherlands so uh yeah they uh they know their i mean they know their stuff over there. Um, you know, like particularly the Netherlands, I find like they're just these rabid music fans. Like it's pretty cool to, to see that. So it is cool. And it's, I'm not sure exactly why it is the way it is over there. I'm not going to ask too many questions because it's great. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. But it's, it's definitely nice, you know, going from touring all across the U S when you get that kind of, energy and then going over to Europe and you see these smaller, maybe it's just because everything's smaller, you know, and people are a little bit more, um, I don't know, maybe that has something to do with it, but yeah, yeah it's, it's great. The hospitality is great. The people are great. And, um, you want to, you want to stick around, you know, you want to hang out after the show and just get to know people and kind of form those bonds, you know? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, uh, yeah, before we get, too deep here i just i did want to mention uh your new your new song that was released uh june 30th um passing ships and um yeah i've I've been uh, i've been listening to it pretty regularly and i dig it i mean i'm I'm pretty partial to that sound like i i i don't know i listen to a lot of um again i i i don't necessarily love using genre signifiers but i just I, i listen to a lot of i don't know folk rock roots rock country rock whatever um you know sort of sunvolt and wilco were kind of my gateway into into things and then i just expanded from there but um that song uh yeah it just it, it has a really um uh, a strong uh, americana vibe for sure um I, I just wanted to know um did you did you write that song with the chorus first or was that something you like tweaked in the studio or or was that how the song came out Oh, that's how the song came out, um, which is kind of fun because I don't think I have any other songs that start with a chorus like that. But it just happened that way, and I liked it, and I kept it. So, um, but yeah, yeah, I, I like that technique. I mean, it, it, um, you know, you hear it, I guess, somewhat sometimes uh, in songs, but uh, I don't know, it just kind of explodes out of the speakers and then and quiets down a little bit. I, uh, it's not you know, your ears kind of perk up a little bit when you hear something slightly different. So, uh, so yeah, that was, that was pretty cool. Um, and like, again, sorry for the cliched question, but like, is there any sort of a specific story behind that song or, or, or was it one of those songs that just kind of materialized and you just sort of went with it or, or. Uh, I think the song has a lot of my songs are kind of just like this weird, communion with like the muse i guess (laughs) um but i uh 
that was one of the songs that kind of I wrote in one sitting, which is like, I think sometimes you can have songs that just like happen and they just, they're almost fully formed. And I'm kind of watching it, like kind of just watching the song come together and like listening (laughs) and like following that. Um, And that was one of those songs. And, uh, you know, it's just kind of connecting with, um, you know, like the idea of the song is just, the people that are near and dear to you, whether they're, you know, around or not anymore are still kind of like with you and a way to like, like maybe they're like kind of living with your, living with your dreams, living with your aspirations. And, you know, when you contact that, like when you think about whatever that drive is in your life or a hope or a wishful thought, you know, that like maybe they're that person or that memory or whatever it is, is kind of, also living there and um yeah yeah kind of guiding that along but like in an unseen way um so that's i guess that's kind of the idea of the song right that's cool yeah i mean I, i'm sorry to ask you that i know i know some musicians <laughs> like hate being asked that and uh it's so weird like I, I mean it makes sense that people want to know right yeah but it's also like odd it's odd because it's art you know and so it's like in one way it's like looking at a painting and then everybody gets to just see what they see in the painting and feel how they feel. And sometimes I think you just connect with things because there's something in it that resonates. And, um, you know, there's like a little bit of that, like mysticism in it all, I think, that makes it attractive to people. <laughs> like, you know, rather than just having it all laid out. But yeah. it is, always, you know, like there are some songs I've listened to, like uh, like Paul McCartney songs. And I'm like, oh, I love this song so much. And I think it was like a wing song or something. And it was like, oh, this song was about like a horse that he had one time or just like something really (laughs) random, you know? And you're like, oh, I love it so much. And then you realize it's just about some random thing and it kind of like kills the magic a little, you know? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I remember there's a Neil Young song. um, Ah, shit. uh, I'm going to blank on the name. Um, But anyways, it, it... it's like this, yeah, the, the lyrics are quite magical and whatnot. And then it, it turns out it's about like an old sort of rust bucket of a car that he, uh, <laughs> that he used to own or something. So, so yeah, like I, I get it. I mean, it's, um, sometimes it's nice to keep it behind the curtain. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And some people get downright offended when you ask them about their lyrics. I remember listening to an interview with, uh, the guy from Yola Tango, I think it's Ira. And he was like, right at the start of the interview he's like i'm not talking about my lyrics so don't so don't ask and wow. uh, you, you know i i respect that in a way like because it's like because like you said i mean you know it's kind of like looking at a painting and um and i i but you know but then there's some songwriters that like they'll give you you know they'll talk for hours about their lyrics and uh yeah so it's it's just you know it's it's different for everyone um yeah um, how do you listen to music? Like, do you, are you somebody that like reads along with the lyrics or do you just sort of try to interpret them as you hear them or? Oh, like when I'm just listening to a song that I yeah, love? Yeah. If you're just listening to music, like do you, do you normally try to pull up the lyrics or do you just sort of listen? I do pull up the lyrics. Usually if I'm listening and something kind of grabs me, um, or it's funny how sometimes I'll listen to a song that just seems to match how I'm feeling at the moment and yeah. I can't really read the lyrics and then I'll go read them. And it's like very um, in line with the moment. And that's, that's always interesting too. And I think that that's like, 
that's a real thing, you know, just like part of it is um, an unspoken language that we all understand, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Now lyrics are a big deal to me for sure in music. And like, it's, it's kind of one of those things that can make it or break a song for me for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Like uh, I think sometimes interpreting them, interpreting lyrics, like how you want to interpret them is kind of cool too. just, you know, just sort of, they mean something different to you than they did to the, you know, you hear some people say like, you know, once I release the song into the world, it's now it's, you know, for the, the people listening and it's no longer mine or, or whatever. Some, but, um, yeah. yeah. Um, I also heard you say in an interview that, uh, you know, you were, you were just talking about how much you love just making music, whether that's like writing songs or, you know, building, like writing the bones of a song and then building off of it. And and you mentioned that you were kind of fascinated with the, like the production side of things. Like, do you think that would ever be something that you could, that you would do in the future? Like, would you be interested in producing other people's work? Absolutely. Yeah. I would love to do that. I think ideally when I first started writing music, I had no idea that it was going to send me out on the road for so long. And it's interesting how that was really cool and it was an amazing experience And at the same time, it almost distanced me from being a songwriter, you know, because I didn't have much time to actually get back to the the roots of it all. And what took me out there to begin with was the songs that I wrote. So, um, yeah, I've always been really fascinated by production and I would love the opportunity to produce more. I did produce a little EP um, for my friend Rich Cahill. He's another uh, very amazing tattooer here in uh, Bradley Beach, New Jersey. And well, now he's in, he's since moved to Frenchtown, New Jersey, but um, he was making music when I first came up to Asbury Park and I was working on a record and looking for a job. Um, I met him in the tattoo shop and we started like at the end of the day when we would finish our tattoos, we would just work on songs. And, um, and then he asked me like, would you want to produce my record? And it was with Pete Steinkoff of the Bouncing Souls who did my record and so it was a really cool opportunity to kind of shadow my producer and like get to be you know like have a little bit of learning in that but I mean I've interned in recording studios before like when I was home from tour and uh, I really just love I love being in the studio and building songs because it's just it's amazing what you can do you know and it's like this weird subliminal message that you can put into music just by producing it and like where, how you choose to build the world around a song yeah. can change it, you know? So I find it very interesting. Yeah, absolutely. Like, and, and you, um, like you have some experience, like even operating the board and stuff like that or a little bit. Yeah. When I was, um, when I was interning and you know, it's kind of like when you're, a musician and you're doing everything DIY, you, you kind of have to learn how to do it all. You know what I mean? And, yeah. and so I, um, I recorded, you know, just a couple little things on my own record, you know, and that was why I wanted to make this record is because I wanted to have this fully produced thing and have the opportunity to make it as big as I wanted to make it without being necessarily confined to the tools in the toolbox that were uh, my band previously, you know, we had, specific instruments that we would play and all of our songs we tried to translate that to a live show so this was like welcome to the fantastic imaginarium in my head what can I do with this and 
what if this song had keys or a French horn or electric guitars or, you know, um, accordion or whatever, you know, and, and it became that <laughs> it became this really big, um, musical adventure and it was a lot of fun. Yeah. Do, do you hear like, you know, like w- when you've written a song on guitar or something like, do you, do you hear the other instruments that you want to, you know, sort of put in there sometimes? Yeah, definitely. I, um, I play, you know, in, in my band, I played rhythm, mainly rhythm guitar. And so when I, I play on acoustic, but really, um, I'll, I'll like palm mute a lot to kind of do like the, like the drum line, you know, and a little bit of uh and then like running the bass note along with the chord right. and kind of out like taking out a hook while still kind of keeping the bass line going and the rhythm. So it's like, it's all kind of already there and it's just a matter of taking all the pieces that are there and putting them in on different instruments, basically, you know? Yeah. Um, so it was really fun to get to, to do that. You know, you take something that's just bare bones and then you build it into this like massive structure and yeah. then go back out on tour and it's like you kind of whittle it back down again, you know, but yeah. it's uh, great. Yeah. I've heard people say like, it's, uh, you know, that's kind of the hard part, like, you know, hearing a finished product or an almost finished product in your head and then having to like, you know, uh, get into the studio and like replicate what you hear. It can be a pretty challenging process, but yeah, it's like yeah. you have to make room for like it to become its own thing. Kind of like what you were saying, where once it's released, it becomes something different. And I feel like that happens in the studio as well. You know, you're bringing other, other players in and there's going to be a different atmosphere. And it's so interesting how, you know, depending on, even just the atmosphere of the studio, how it can change a song, you know, change the feeling of a song or, and I just, you know, through this process of making a record and songwriting and touring, it's just been so interesting to, to learn everything as I go with that, you know, like how much a recording studio and the vibe of the studio and your connection with your producer, you know, has an impact on that final product. And, everything matters and then going into mixing you know and like how much mixing has a huge impact on a song <laughs> it's yeah. just that yeah um this might sound like a, a kind of a silly question but I, I was just wondering like what is the like i know the i guess sort of the fundamental difference like the engineer is kind of doing the technical stuff and, and operating the board and the producer i guess is trying to like um I, I guess like just help you build the song. Is that kind of the, the dynamic there? Like the, the producers working with the songwriter to sort of flesh out the material and the engineers doing the technical side of things. Yeah, totally. That's yeah. it. Okay. Okay. I just, I, you know, I, I've never been in a studio. So, I mean, I, and sometimes you just like, you hear people say like producers can be like a lot of different things. Like they can be like, therapists and <laughs> you yeah. know like like all kinds of different uh they can take they can wear all kinds of different hats you know depending yeah definitely yeah and i mean that the engine there's a, a recording engineer but then you also have a mix engineer and your mix engineer is basically producing the the product after it's been handed off like so that that in itself is an art as well so it's like you know there's so many different pieces that can uh, really change everything. But yeah, producer is like 
you have to know like there's an emotional support that you have to yeah. know like it's so much more you're dealing with artists and artists are like notoriously difficult and sensitive and yeah, <laughs> you know yeah, like, yeah. it's like going through these like sways of like feeling like they're amazing and then feeling like they're worthless and it all mm -hmm. comes out it's like your studio is like it's the confessional it's the church it's the place where like everything comes out and like then you turn it into something beautiful you know and um yeah it's there's a lot there especially when you've got like you know all of these different creators and you know different egos and emotions and it's um it's it's wild and it's yeah. amazing <laughs> yeah <laughs> um could you see yourself working with pete on another record like what was it a really good experience oh yeah it was wonderful pete's yeah. an amazing producer and um you know he's he just did such a great job at a lot like giving me the space to kind of let this thing form you know because it wasn't like here's a here's the band you know we've already got all this stuff it was just me and my acoustic guitar and I brought it to him and I really wanted to work with a producer on the, you know, I knew that. And um, so like what we ended up creating, you know, just from this like basic sketch of a song is just amazing. And it was, we'd started it like just before that Canadian tour. Um, and then in 2020, and then when everything stopped, I was the first project uh, to go back into the studio with him um, I think it was like, I was like next in line, you know, when things opened back up. So as soon as we had the opportunity to get back together in some capacity and start working on the songs we did. Um, and then of course, as we all know, we ended up having a lot more time than any of us wanted or anticipated. Yeah. Um, but it tore, you know, he was obviously the Baltic souls weren't touring either. So it was like, this was kind of the only way we could stay creative and like, have a little bit of that connection was through music and so we were working on the songs and then you know i wrote wrote passing ships and um and then we had this like big long instrumental break in the middle of the song and i kind of thought about like you know i've always loved the pogues and a little bit of like the uh, i think a little bit of that was influence of the song not that you could really hear too much of it but i guess now you can but yeah and so he was friends with um, Ted Hutt, who is a producer out in, I believe he's in LA and he was in Floggy Molly and he produced, um, he's done like Nico Case and Old Crow Medicine Show. And, oh, wow. um, and he produced um, one of the Bounce of Souls records as well. And so he reached out to Ted and he was like, oh, maybe we could see if the Walker Rotors would want to do it. And, um, you know, contacted them and then, they got back to him and they said, yes, we sent over the song and then they all recorded their own individual tracks and then sent it back. And the whole record was kind of made uh, that way where we were like, you know, we were like isolated, but it was a way for us all to connect with each other at the same time and still kind of be creative and um, validate ourselves a little bit as musicians because like you know during that time you're like what am I doing with my life who am I <laughs> what you think about all the choices you've made you know but um it was it was really special you know to have that and to be able to you know, not really knowing like what's going to come back like I didn't produce that part of the song you know it was right. like people that are amazing at what they do and let's see 
what happens. Then we just sent it to them and then it came back. And I remember like I was by myself, I was at my house and I got the track back and I just like cried. Yeah. <laughs> Amazing. It's so beautiful. And I've, I've been such a huge fan of the Pogues for so long and just to think like that's the same accordion. And I just got really, I don't know. I kind of geeked out on it, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, that's, that's some, uh, yeah, those are some pretty huge bands. Um, so did you get, did you end up meeting those guys at all? Or, or was it oh, all do- remotely? All, yeah, it was all a remote project because they were, I think that they were even in different geographic locations at that time as well. So yeah, this was all like a remote thing. And then I had some other people play on the record. Like I did a duet with Darius Koski from Swing and Utters and we had toured together um, a couple years, maybe like a year before that or something. And, um, you know, so we were just like building these songs and then I sent it to Darius and he would record his vocal parts and send them back and we would call, talk on the phone and stuff, but we never, you know, we never got into the studio at the same time. So it was a, it was really interesting. Right. Project. Were there any um, co-writes on the album or is it all your material? No, it's all me. All you? No covers? Nothing like that? No, no covers, all originals. Um, And then we just had some people come in and, you know, just to kind of like give it, I don't know, I I thought it would be fun to just, I wanted it to be a collaborative effort, you know, but yes, they are, I I wrote all the songs on the record. Okay. Um, I was just wondering about like, if there's like an increased anxiety about, um, you know, going solo versus, you know, having uh, gallows bound, you know, like, like, is there, is there a few more nerves uh, in terms of the solo release? Oh yeah, totally. Cause I mean, it's all me. It all lands on my shoulders. <laughs> so it's like, you know, I'm fully responsible whether people love it or they hate it. And, um, and it's so new, like, you know, the band was kind of, I don't know, it's, it's such a, I, I've never really done anything like this, you know, just going out on my own. And there's definitely a lot of, a lot of, you know, that anxiety and a lot of that feeling of pressure that no one has put on me other than me. But um, yeah, it's definitely different for sure. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, I could see that. Um, but you do, you you do plan on touring this at some point, right? Yes, I want to tour it as it sounds on the record. So, like I said, I was doing some just singer-songwriter, solo acoustic stuff um, in the meantime, which was great. I think it's always good to, I feel like it almost way it's like paying your dues, like having to go out there and do it on your own and just carry it all, make sure that it all stands on its own. But, um, yes, I will be touring and playing the shows with a full band um, as the songs start to come out. And then I can start to kind of get some tours around that. Yeah, that's cool. No, I think I think that's really cool that you've kind of seen all aspects of it. Like you know, you've you've toured with a band. Now you're going to be sort of doing things solo. You've you've done a lot of work in the in the studio. So um, you know, you're kind of seeing all aspects of the business and just sort of diving in, which is uh, pretty cool. So yeah, um, do you um, when this is a little unrelated. I was just curious about like when you are writing songs, like, is there a state of mind that, that sort of works best for you? Like, do you, you know, do you have a couple of beer or smoke a joint or anything like that? Or, or do you typically write sober or? I write sober. You um, do? Okay. 
Like I um yeah, I am sober. I wasn't all the time when I was in Gallows Bound, but this music actually this project was something that really inspired me to to like just fully come correct for it and uh and like traveling up here, coming to the studio, I like really wanted to try to put my best foot forward. And so for me that was part of it. Um and I think like tapping into that creative muse or whatever it is you want to call it that people try to access it's like you know you talk about people drinking or smoking or whatever it is it's like like I think about it almost like shamans you know what I mean where they put themselves altered state to try to contact (laughs) their thing you know and um but no for me it's just like you know life uh life is enough (laughs) yeah yeah wild ride as it is and so i i like to just get still and like just kind of get on the ride and see what happens you know and like i think a lot of times music is so cathartic and it it comes from an emotional place um and for me uh when i was like drinking or smoking i think that that actually kind of dampened that emotional place a little bit so it's interesting to be able to sit with it and see what really comes and uh I don't know. It's, it's enough for me as it is, you know? Yeah, no, that's cool. Um, and, and I think sometimes like, you know, I don't have a, a, a ton of experience or anything, but like, I do know when I've tried to write drunk or something, you know, it sounds pretty good in the moment, but then, you know, when you listen back, you know, it's like, oh man, this is, this is embarrassing. So at least you're fully aware of what you're doing when you're, uh, you know, and, yeah. and you, you, you can, you can be a better judge of what's good and what's bad, I think, you know? Yeah. It's interesting, you know, like, I mean, there's definitely no right or wrong way to do it. And I think, you know, if you're depending on like who you're writing for or what you're writing for, sometimes people need that, you know, and, uh, and I've definitely done that before in the past as well, but it is funny because, you know, I used to do that and now I don't. So I'm like, wonder what happens like i should ask one of my friends that like likes to smoke weed like can you just like i actually have done this before i was like why don't you like you know just like smoke a joint and then put on my record <laughs> like, <laughs> maybe test it out on all these different like fields of consciousness <laughs> right <laughs> yeah yeah it's i don't know it's it's like yeah it, it's just it's totally different for everyone i mean some of my favorite songwriters uh you know, um, smoke right from the moment they wake up and they're, they're absolutely brilliant. Um, but yeah, it's not for everyone, including myself. I can't do it either. So, cause even when I smoke weed, sometimes I'll like, you know, try to write a line or something. And, and I don't know if it's the paranoia from, uh, smoking or whatever, but it's like, I just start to feel really self-conscious and kind of stupid about what I'm writing. And, um, yeah, I just, I need to be all there. Um, but I guess some people can just drift into those states and feel totally confident in those states. But like, I kind of clam up in a way, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, yeah for sure. I remember like, you know, when we were touring and partying a lot and stuff, drinking and playing, and it was just like, it felt totally different too, you know? And then it took me a while because I used to be so nervous to get on stage that I would always like have a shot or, you know, whatever, have a drink before I got on. And then like slowly getting the confidence to just like show up and be fully present for that moment. Yeah. And it's cool how it like kind of changes as you go. There is a song that I wrote that I was definitely in an altered state of consciousness. <laughs> Cause you know, I was like digging through all of my demos and I'm like, which songs do I want to put on the record? And it like, it came to me, like the chorus definitely came to me. 
and I was not like in my right mind at all. And it's <laughs> interesting how um, it has a totally different sound. Like it's like it sounds like it came from a different place. You know what I mean? Right. Um, so I don't know. It's it's interesting. Like you can pull pull from all those different states of consciousness. I guess there's something going on in each of them. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I I would usually get a lot more mad and sad, you know? Yeah. <laughs> That's like where the country music really starts to come in, you know? Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> I, I like what you're saying, though, about like showing up. And I think that's important. Like, I, I think if you're going to take something seriously, I mean, I think that's the only way you're going to grow is by just like just doing it. And whether you're, you know, a nervous wreck or not, you just got to you just got to show up. I mean, that's pretty critical. <laughs> yeah, if that know. is truth, you know, and I mean, even just stepping outside of every time, you know, the first time I went into a recording studio, the first time we were recording to a click, like all of these things, I was terrified. First time I got up on stage in front of, you know, hundreds of people, like, and same thing. Yeah, for sure. Like, and doing it solo, it's like, okay, like, it's just me here. You know, I have to kind of be responsible for this and be responsible for my friend. Uh, he's a sound engineer and he always, he's, and he was a teacher and he said, please take responsibility for the energy you bring into the room. You know? And I always, right. love, you know, but it's like at the end of the day, it is, it's like, it's my responsibility to show up and, and you're right. It doesn't matter how you show up, you know, that's all part of it because like everyone's in different phases of life and growth. And, you know, there's like the messy beginnings and people are going to relate to that in life. Like you don't always have to be perfect with everything, you know, it's like showing that like, it's okay to not do it perfectly or maybe this isn't the greatest thing ever or whatever like kind of gives other people the like the freedom to do the same thing yeah yeah absolutely um yeah i think i remember uh the painter uh georgia o'keefe one time like you know somebody asked her like you don't ever look you don't you don't ever seem scared or or afraid of anything and she said you know well i'm i'm always you know i've been scared i've been terrified my entire life but you know i just do it though I, yeah. and that's and that's kind of the difference you know like she um you know she has the same feelings as everyone else but the difference was that she just sort of i guess and it's not always easy to, to do that it's it's not it's not that simple but you know i like the idea behind that but yeah i think that's yeah. so true you know and yeah. it's just because you see someone on stage I, and i've had people say that to me before you know like oh you're like so this like fierce strong this and that but it's like that's just like me digging deep and and that's what I'm showing too like everyone has that you know everyone has that insecurity or that fear and that anxiety but it's like exactly what you just said it's like not letting that thing win you know yeah really what yeah. it comes down to it's not that I've never felt that way it's uh just that I don't let it stop me so right yeah um I was wondering uh you know I've talked to a few songwriters on this show and and um like the one thing and I've read quite a few interviews with other songwriters too. And, and the one thing I hear quite a bit is like, you'll, you'll hear different songwriters say, you know, um, you know, I, I finally found my voice with this particular album or like that, that when I wrote that song, that's when I sort of discovered my voice. And, um, I, you know, that's kind of like a, a mysterious comment to me. Like, you know, like it's, it's, I guess that's kind of different for everyone too, but like, what does that mean to you? What does finding your voice as a songwriter mean to you? 
That's a good question. I think it means stepping fully into your own, like that thing we're talking about, like that when you finally feel like you are giving all that you can give. And there have been a lot of times when I've been in the studio that I've done a vocal take and everyone, you know, the people behind the glass would say, yeah, that's good. You know, but I, there was something in me that just felt like, I don't know, you know, like maybe I could just do a little better. And I think we always have that thing in us as artists and creators. Like you're probably always going to have that thing scratching at you. <laughs> but yeah. there's a time when you feel like you got that take, you know, or maybe something just resonates with you. It feel like feeling like it fully represents who you are and what you can bring to the table. And that takes time. It's just like, what we're talking about with like showing up for each step of the way and, you know, having the courage to say like, I want to try that again. I think I can do better, you know, instead of like, yeah, that's okay. And and that comes down to that relationship with your producer too. You know, like with Pete, sometimes I would just be like, I feel like I'm driving you crazy, but I really want to keep working on this tape, you know? <laughs> yeah. And then you get it. And you know, when you're writing music, it stays out there forever. Like it's, you are immortalizing something and it's timeless. And so it's funny because in one way it's just a song. And then it's like in another way, it's going to be there forever. So yeah. if you feel like you can do better and, you know, do it, like just try it again, you know? And, and so I think finding my voice for me was having the courage to really like fully be seen and like digging into that power, um, and now I look at my voice as like a, like a pedal, like a guitar pedal, where because I've kind of explored all these different ranges and worked on it more, um, like I can like sing kind of softly and like do a falsetto. I can like turn up the grunge and the overdrive and like go more like a gritty punk rock kind of thing. And it's like learning like the full spectrum of the instrument that you have. So I think it's part of that. Yeah. And voice, I think it's like, I feel like you could say that about just being a person <laughs> anyway, you know, like when you find yeah. your place, like you figure out like who you authentically are and you feel comfortable in your own skin. And, you know, I think that that's like the same thing, whether it's music or just like being a person. <laughs> yeah, no, I think that's a good answer. And, and, um, like you said, it, it takes time, you know, it, it, and it takes showing up and it takes like, sort of uh doing things that you're afraid of and um you know uh, again not not to make this about me but like i i do write songs but i've never really like played open mics or anything like that and i think like that even that step you know bringing your songs out into the public is like that's i mean that's like a a pretty basic first step but i mean just seeing how people respond because i think people will let you know if you're being authentic in a way too you know like, it, you know, I think you'll find out in a hurry if people think you're bullshitting them or if people think that you're like putting on a, uh, you know, trying to be something you're not or whatever, you know. Yeah. So, yeah, I think also it's not a small step like doing that. Oh, can you hear me? OK, I think. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. It's not a small step. It's actually a really big step. And, you know, to me, that's kind of the only difference between the people that are out there on the big stages and the people that aren't is like they just kind of did it you know but showing up and playing an open mic especially like for the first that <laughs> i did i mean i was like all right i'm gonna i gotta go i'm going on tour like i'm going on tour solo and i was not i've never done this before and i immediately started like going to open mics 
And it didn't matter that I had toured all over the place with a band, you know, showing up like that when it's just you. I mean, it takes a lot to do that, especially when you've written a song that means something to you or that is like close to you in some way or, you know, it's a it's a big deal. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you're right. As that that isn't just playing covers because covers, it's like, you know, you're, that's your safety net. But if you're like, I wrote this. Like, that's a terrifying moment, you know, in life to be like, I wrote this song. It's like, you're basically just getting fully naked in front of a room full of strangers and like, yeah, like yeah. just seeing what happens, you know, and hoping that they don't just pick you apart or <laughs> I don't know. It's, um, it's so vulnerable, you know? It yeah, no, no, you're <laughs> absolutely right. Yeah. I, I uh, misspoke there. It's, I, I think I just. Yeah, like it, it is huge because that's probably partly why I've never done it because it is such a big step. But uh, give yourself some credit because, like, you know, yeah. get out there and do that. That's, that's no small step. Like, you should be proud of that for sure. <laughs> and and that's why I like you know attending open mics too because it's like you know um, it's just kind of nice to see people um, again. Like whether it's like like I was just down in. Uh, Austin uh a couple of months ago back in March and I went to the Cactus Club cafe and like sort of like a famous folk club on the University of uh Texas campus and like Towns Van Zant and Guy Clark played there and all that and but they had an open mic there and like they had 30 performers and um you know it's just kind of cool seeing people bare their soul whether it's fantastic or not it's just it's it's just I mean, I'm not like gawking or anything, but it's just interesting to, you know, see people kind of in in some of their most vulnerable moments, like, because it takes courage and, and, you know, it's cool. So Totally. And plus, we live in a world now where everything is digital, everything is kind of separate and music, especially live music, is one of the like few real tangible, it's like just art in real time being created, you know, and it's like, I just... We don't really get that so much anymore. There's all this sensory overload and to get to watch something being created right in front of you and um, just get back to that primal thing with the music. It's just, I don't know, there's something about it. And I'm so glad that we still have it, you know? Yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, What's your relationship to like self-promotion, like on on social media and stuff like that? Like, do you... um... I mean, did, are you conflicted by that? Or does is that something that comes natural to you? Like, you know, putting stuff up on Instagram or TikTok or Twitter or whatever? Like, do you, you know? Uh... I, I, I hate it. <laughs> I absolutely, yeah, okay. It's so uncomfortable for me. Um, it's such a weird, like, dichotomy to be a writer and to want your music to be heard. But at the same time, there's a part of you that has this, like, anxiety and fear around, like, I, I don't know. It's so bizarre, you know, in one way I wish I could like detach myself from like the, the art and the artist. And it's just like, put it out there on a different platform or something and just make a cartoon character that plays the songs. You know? Yeah. Yeah. So, it's so, um, it's almost like it's meant to be intrusive nowadays. You know, it's not, it's not enough to write a, a good song. People want to know what you're eating for breakfast. They want to know like, what you do at the gym. And it's like, that has nothing to do with the song I wrote, you know? Um, and it's, yeah. a, it's a job in itself, you know, it, in one way it's great because it allows you to connect with so many people. But my relationship with it is like a, one of, 
just like getting on stage for the first time and anything else. It's like, just, I just have to get comfortable with it and accept it. You know, this is just the way things are nowadays. And, you know, for as much as I still love that whole, I like the element of art as escapism. You know, I like the idea of putting on a record and it taking you away and there being a little bit of something like a veil, you know, behind, like between you sitting in your living room and like just that mystery, like when you listen to a record and you're like, you get taken away, you know? And I think nowadays it feels like that's meant to not really be there anymore. You know, like you're supposed to just see this person for who they are and not so much what they're creating, you know? Yeah. 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 I don't, I don't know that it feels natural to like, I, I guess some people it probably feels natural to, but yeah, I'm with you completely. Like I, I, it just feels, it just feels unnatural. I don't know how else to put it. Um, you know, my my partner on this podcast, he he runs like our Instagram, and you know, I I put the Twitter thing up for a bit to promote the show, but like, I just deleted it, and I don't know. Like, I, it's I'm, I have nothing against it. it you know, if, if you like social media, that's fantastic. I'm I'm not trying to be an old man, like you know, um, right. you know, dissing social media or anything. I just. I, I just for me it just it just feels weird and you know I it's think things things we all play, you know it's like marketing like the only way for people to discover you is to to do that you know Seniors. yeah um but yeah it's it's been really challenging uh you know it's interesting like going and writing a song picking up the guitar and then going into a recording studio working with a mixing engineer then you're like making a music video, then you're like cutting up, you know, video things to make reels. It's like, there's so many different layers just to write a, you know, three and a half minute long song. But it, it's really challenging because I don't feel like I am my music, you know? And so it's like, okay, well, you need to pick, do, do some photos or make a music video or, you know, and I, I don't feel like my physical body is like what's representing my song, you know? Right. <laughs> like all of these like hundreds of hours into this. And then how do I, how do I convey that in a completely different artistic platform now? You know, it's crazy to think about having to do that. Like, how can I do that in a way that reflects the, the music in itself? It's, it's like lend, since handing it over to another artist, basically, you know? Yeah. I don't know yeah. how you feel about music videos, but it's interesting because if I see a music video before I just hear the song, I will interpret the song differently, you know, rather than just like kind of like reading the book before you watch the movie. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. Kind of goes that way. It's like, depending on what I'm looking at when I hear this is going to change how I feel when the song, when I hear the song for the first time. <laughs> so it's just like all these things to think about, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, forgive me. I, I, did you make a video for passing ships? I made a video. It's actually um, just about to come out, so it's a uh, it's coming out here like next week. Um, uh, okay. And then all of my singles that I have coming out next that are from the record, I have the videos ready for. So um, just like kind of been stockpiling everything so that I can roll out the release, um, you know, in a timely fashion and still have a job <laughs> as a <laughs> do all this other stuff. Yeah, you're. That's busy for sure. Um, it, was the were the videos kind of like a DIY 
project or did you hire like a film crew or something or um so the first video i did um with a guy here lo- locally in asbury park and he recorded um bouncing souls have like a a spin-off or not a spin-off they have a, another project called beach rats well it's two of the members of bouncing souls brian baker from bad religion and um, just some of the guys that are here locally and um, this guy kevin did their video and i work with uh, i work with brian from the souls and so he told me about this guy and it's just a fun like a fun video kind of super eight style and you know just running around on the beach he has a little uh, a daughter and um i thought it would be cool to just like have a little girl in the video like this representation of you know just being totally free especially as a you know just That's like cool yeah oh have fun like let that whatever your that artist thing is i think like when we create or the things that we're drawn to it's like you know when you think about like when you were a kid before the world made you feel wrong about anything <laughs> <laughs> yeah fully full expression of like who you are as a person you know um and i just love that energy you know especially for little girls like I want little girls to feel like there's space for them, you know, especially in the music industry and on stage and in everything in life, you know? So it was cool to just kind of have that um, as part of the video, just, just like ripping and running and having a good time. And um, it was very low key, you know, and, and then the next two videos I flew out um, and uh, had this guy um, really good, like the audio video guy that out in Atlanta and they were like a little bit more like, of a production, you know, like we went to a, a studio that people rent out for movies and things like that. So it's kind of fun to see that whole evolution as well. Okay. Awesome. Yeah. I, I look forward to, to watching those. Um, does Asbury park have like nice beaches like, or does New Jersey in general have nice beaches or. Beaches are amazing. Like I yeah. don't, I feel like it's something that you don't hear very often. It's almost like a secret. Maybe I'm not supposed to say it, but it's true. <laughs> really really great it's beautiful i um i made my record in asbury and i just totally fell in love with this area and um like i said brian and pete from the dogs of souls they're a band together and pete made my record and brian owns um a tattoo studio here and um i was coming up to the studio so much and i was like i'm gonna have to get a job like if i keep coming <laughs> studio i have to get a job if i'm gonna be up here so much and uh, he was like oh you should talk to brian you know he's a uh, owns a tattoo shop and um, but I, so now I'm here and it's just, it's absolutely gorgeous being by the beach. Like saw the sunrise yesterday and it's, a uh, yeah, it's a really, really nice beach. Asbury's great. I think like it's, it's come a long way too. you know, it used to be a different kind of scene and now it's a, a new thing. So. And that's your first summer there. This is my first like full on summer. I was coming up here. Like I said, when I was working on the record, um, and that was like over a span of, I don't know, probably a year and a half. And uh, then I started doing guest spots here. Like the Bouncing Souls have this big festival called Stoke for the Summer every year. Okay. Um, they play at uh, this big venue down here called the Stone Pony. And, and it's like a big event. Um, and so they have like tattoo, like a walk-in tattoo day. Um, and like all the Souls fans kind of like come up to the shop and they get Bouncing Souls tattoos. <laughs> super fun um and so i started coming up for that and that's actually happening again um in two weeks it's like july 22nd is stoked for the summer is what it's called up here and so 
on to be tattooing and going to the show and yeah, it's great. Sweet, sweet. Um, yeah, I've heard of the Stone Pony. It's a pretty, pretty iconic venue. You know, like I think whatever Springsteen and played there, right? Or at some point. Yeah, it's legendary for sure. Yeah, get, maybe the Gaslight Anthem or something. Do, do they are they around those parts too? Yeah, they're around here somewhere. I'm like, I'm the you know I'm from the hills of Virginia, <laughs> so yeah. I don't know all of the history here, but they are. Um, and actually, it's funny because. Um, Alex, I think his name is, and he's the bass player for Gaslight Anthem, actually opened up, he's just recently opened up a barbershop, and it's like a block away from our tattoo studio here in uh, Bradley Beach, so we've got this cool little punk rock neighborhood thing going on here. Oh, wow, cool. <laughs> yeah. what, what's, the, what's the boardwalk like in Asbury? Like, is it cheesy, or is it like... like uh, or is it fun to, like, you know, go down at sunset and, like, walk the boardwalk, or...? so cool because it's got these like old um old buildings and they're like kind of art deco-y and they have cool like sculptures on them and they're kind of run down there was this old theater that was just absolutely gorgeous and um i guess just from the hurricanes that came through and now it's like you can't go in it you know but there's still kind of like a, a main drag that you can walk through and it's really unique you know you should uh you should definitely check it out you should definitely come check it out at some point because it's um it's not like anything i've ever seen before it's uh it's really cool it's not like a super touristy cheesy t-shirts and you know it's like more artsy and um the people here seem to really like prioritize keeping art alive you know there's a lot of cool murals and cool old buildings and then you've got the stone pony which is like basically right on the beach you know and uh yeah it's a really great area yeah yeah that's what i was gonna say it's kind of like a you know an an underrated um coastal uh situation yeah because it's not like you know ocean city maryland or or myrtle beach or some crap like that it's got like some music history it's got some 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 architecture uh history there going on so yeah it's sorry what's that I said, it's got soul, you know? It's yeah. Soul. Yeah, for sure. Um, can you take, how, how far is New York City from there? Uh, it's about like an hour and some change, depending on traffic, depending on the day. But it takes me maybe an hour and 15 minutes to get into the city. Okay. Do you drive in New York? I do. I enjoy it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's fun. Um, but you can also take a train in, you know, it's it's total chaos, but it's a yeah. good time. <laughs> Yeah, I never drove in Manhattan. I drove in Brooklyn. That's aggressive enough. Um, yeah. You know, like even if you're like waiting for a, you're trying to take a right turn and there's like a pedestrian walking, they'll still honk at you. You know, like yeah. they want you to like run the pedestrian over to take the turn or something. And it's like, okay, I guess this is how they do things here. Yeah, it's, it can be very stressful for sure. You have to yeah. like, like playing a video game to me. Like you have to go into it like ready, not almost like ready for battle. <laughs> like, you know, you yeah. Yeah. Or else you'll just like end up probably crying in your car somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I get that. Um, where to park? <laughs> yeah, so um, it's not uh, not like Winchester, Virginia. Then no, not at all. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, I, I was gonna. I wanted to talk about that a little bit too. Like my uh, my my dad, uh, he was kind of like a, I don't know, he was a big American history guy, and so we used to go to that part of the world quite a bit. Like, oh, wow. um, you know, like 
you know, I've driven the Blue Ridge a few times and, and, um, he used to just go to like, I don't know, he'd go to Gettysburg and Antietam and we, we'd go to like Harper's Ferry and like, instead of going to like Disneyland or, um, or stuff like that, we would go to like, yeah, these, you know, it wasn't really a kid's vacation necessarily, but I did see a lot of that. And I just, I loved that, uh, just love that area. It's just so damn lush. And, um, I, I remember walking around the Harp. I know Harper's Ferry is not like that close, but like that national historical park there is just one of the most gorgeous places on earth. I just hiking through there. And, um, yeah, I just, I, I like that part of the world a lot. Um, yeah, it is beautiful. We used to go to Harper's Ferry a lot too, you know, just like it's, it's really pretty. Um, and it is, it's so lush. I don't, there was a long time when I didn't realize it, you know, like when you just stay where you are, stay in the town you grew up in, you don't, you don't recognize the charm or that, you know, all the things you kind of take for granted um, until you kind of come back and then you see them, but it is so lush. It's kind of crazy. It's like, it's like this Appalachian jungle in a way, you know, like <laughs> here by the beach now and I can see the sky. And I remember, growing up in Winchester I was like oh it looks like a pretty sunset and I would have to get in my car and drive to a hill <laughs> you know like, <laughs> as far as I could to see like some kind of overlook because we're just so deep in the valley and it's uh, just you're shrouded by all of this nature constantly you know and you don't even realize it until you kind of get out or like going out west have you been out west like uh, on the west coast of the U.S. or like through the deserts where yeah well, I guess yeah. you were in Texas too, so you got a little bit of that probably, but it's just so wide open, you know? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But yeah, it's um, just snow fields everywhere. Like anytime I want to go on a walk, you know, go on a trail, it's like, it's all, it's a battlefield. <laughs> That's why. <laughs> but yeah. also, the Blue Ridge Parkway is beautiful though. Yeah, yeah. I, I always tell my girlfriend that like Virginia has like, the perfect climate in my opinion because i like the seasons you know I, I like winter and i like you know having four seasons but um you know just not the winters that we have up here and virginia you know like the winters aren't gonna like murder you like they do here you know it's kind of you get the four seasons but like you know it's still like survivable you know True. So. Yeah, they do get the full spectrum down there it's a yeah it's it's a beautiful place i know you guys get it's it's brutal out there in the winters for sure. yeah it's it's just awful nobody should live here i don't even know why people settled here it's like uh unbelievable look at the weather up there and you're like what are you doing <laughs> don't go outside think about it uh, did you go into dc much when you were younger like yeah uh, sometimes when uh i would like a couple of us would skip school and we would go into dc we didn't feel too bad about it because we were like going to the museums and stuff, you know, but it's only about an hour away. So uh, we, I would go to shows there too. We kind of grew up in a small town, no real music scene unless you were making it yourself. You know, like I would book punk shows at the roller rink and things like that, like kind of yeah. DIY stuff. But um, yeah, we were going to DC a lot to catch shows there for sure. Okay, and that's kind. Of, that was sort of the biggest metropolis from Winchester. Yeah, that's the closest for sure. It's like, and it was still, you know, a little over an hour. So. Yeah, yeah. I I really dig uh, Charlottesville in Virginia. It's it's kind of a neat town, you know, university town, and it's got like the pedestrian sidewalk. They're, they've always got good bands coming through there, you know. Yeah, it's got a cool mix because there's that big. Uh, kind of amphitheater there, but then you have the college town, so you get some smaller shows and 
Uh, Winchester has a little walking mall like the bricks on my feet the summer Snakes that are here 
Die 